Good morning and welcome to our worship service. We're so glad that you're here today. We're thankful that you've chosen to be with us. If you're visiting, as always, we're so thankful that you have come our way. We want to encourage you to come back to be with us at every opportunity that we have, or that you have, rather, to be with us. We're so grateful for those that have been baptized into Christ and those who have placed membership with us in recent weeks. And it is our prayer that as we continue to, to go forward, that much good will continue to come forth from this place. I'm going to be looking today at Psalm 46 with you. I want to invite you to turn with me to the 46th Psalm this is not the lesson that I had intended to preach this morning. But in light of the circumstances that we have faced in the last couple of days with the loss of Andrew, I felt it would be good for us to think about God as our refuge. Many, many years ago, Job said, that which I feared the most has come upon me. What has happened to Eddie and Wendy is every parent's nightmare. And I want Eddie and Wendy both to know that we loved Andrew. And Eddie and Wendy, we love you. And we grieve with you. Our hearts are broken. And because we as a congregation of God's people are grieving, I felt like we needed words of comfort. And I believe that. I'm so grateful that we serve a God who is described by Paul as the father of all mercies and the God of all comfort. I'm also grateful that Paul said that this God that we serve comforts us in all our tribulation. God has the ability to comfort us in times of sadness and sorrow. We lost one of our own this week. Andrew was a young man, 17 years of age. I think about him as just a little fella with that big grin. I think Andrew would want us, to the best of our ability, to find comfort in God and to try and move forward. Andrew is in the hands of God and we can be grateful for that. When Eddie called me Friday morning and told me what had happened, he said, thank God Andrew had been baptized into Christ. Andrew just became a Christian about three weeks ago. 
And so that turns darkness and despair to light. Andrew has gone to be with the Lord. In Psalm 46, God is described as a God of refuge. And there are times in life when we need God as our refuge. Because you see, as the church, we are a family. And when one person hurts, we all hurt. When one person grieves, we all grieve. And we're hurting today. I want to begin today by just talking for a minute or two about how we have a refuge in trouble. I want you to listen with me, listen to me for just a minute as I read what the psalmist said in Psalm 46:1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. First of all, I want to suggest that the psalmist here is reminding us that we have a present help in trouble. It is comforting to know that in whatever age we may live, God is a God of the present and God is standing by. He is present to help us in our trouble. Many believe that the background to Psalm 46 goes back to King Sennacherib and his threat against the children of Israel. Hezekiah was the king. Sennacherib was the king of Assyria. And he was taunting and threatening the people of God. God intervened on their behalf. He provided deliverance for them. But he was a present help in their distress. I want to suggest to you that not only do we have a present help in our trouble, but we have a personal help in our trouble. Listen again to the words of the psalmist. He said, God is our refuge and strength. The psalmist here, speaking not just for himself, but for all of God's people. We need to understand that God is personally involved in the affairs of the human family. And God is well aware of what we experience here on planet Earth. And God will personally attend to every need, to every care that we may have. I think about the words of the psalmist in Psalm 121, 
when he said, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. He then asked the question, from whence comes my help? And he said, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I want to suggest to you today that the very God that spoke this world into existence is the same personal God that attends to every care, every need, every tear. God is concerned. And God loves us. As Paul said, God is the Father of all mercy. He is the God of all comfort. Peter would say, casting all your care on him, for he cares for you. God cares for us. You know, the Bible says that a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without our heavenly Father knowing it. If God takes note of one of the smallest creatures on planet Earth, then surely he's mindful of us. Jesus would say that the very hairs of our head are numbered. God is a present help in our trouble, and God is a personal help in our trouble. I want you to think with me in the second place of what our resolve ought to be in trouble. First of all, I want to begin by saying, as difficult as this may sound, as hard as it may be to comprehend, I want to suggest that we need, we need to remain fearless in our troubles. Listen now, if you would, to what the psalmist said. I want to begin again in verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So in light of the fact that God is our refuge, that God is our strength in times of trouble, here's what he said. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, Though the mountains shake with its swelling. The picture here is that of upheaval. And yet, amidst this disaster or upheaval, the psalmist resolved to not live in fear. I want to say to us today, that we too can be fearless in the face of our troubles. And there's some reasons for that. Number one, because we have the presence of God. Now I mentioned a moment ago that God said he is a very present help in trouble. But I want you to think about we have the presence of our Lord 
Do you remember the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 13? God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And then he asked the question, what shall man do unto me? God is right beside us. And he will stand by us every step of the way. What we have faced over the last couple of days has been gut-wrenching. Our hearts have been torn out. And yet to know that we have a God that loves us to the extent that he will stand by us every step of the way. I want you to know that God is here for you. There's a second thing I want to call attention to, and that is not only do we have the presence of God, but the Bible tells us that we have the peace of God. In Philippians chapter 4, you remember the Apostle Paul said, In nothing be anxious, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There is inward peace that only God can give. God can protect our hearts from the anxieties and the hurts and the sorrows that we experience. I'm not saying it's easy, but I believe that God can give us a sense of peace that will enable us to go forward, to bear the burden that we face in life, whatever burden that may be. To know that there is a sense of peace that surpasses all knowledge, Listen, if you would, to what the psalmist said in verse 4. In verses 2 and 3, he talked about the upheaval, the disaster that was occurring. But note, if you would, the tranquility described in verse 4. There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. He said the nations raged and the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. And so to know that we can have a sense of peace I mentioned a moment ago the presence of Almighty God. Let me, just, let me just call attention to two verses very quickly 
in light of God's presence and God's peace. In verse 7, the psalmist said, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. In verse 11, again, the same words, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The psalmist knew. His conviction was, God in heaven is with us. And in light of that, we have peace. And then there is the promise of God. There's a promise that I want to call attention to in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. When I think about the fact that God is our refuge, he's my refuge, he is your refuge. The Hebrew writer said, let us therefore draw boldly unto the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Please listen very carefully. When our hearts are breaking, when our hearts have been broken, when the burdens of life are overwhelming, when we wonder whether or not we're going to be able to put one foot in front of another, we need to remember that there is a God in heaven that loves us, that cares about us, and that wants us to come before him boldly in prayer. And why is that? Because God said that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We talk about the definition of grace. The unmerited favor of God. God doing for us what we are unable to do for ourselves. When we have situations that are beyond our control. When the circumstances of life are such that we have no bearing upon them. We can go to Jehovah God in prayer. And we can expect to receive mercy and grace to help in our time of need. You know, the Bible talks about the blessings of prayer. There are sometimes in life what happened to Andrew this past week. I, I, I don't know what to say sometimes. I don't know if anybody knows what to say. But I know that I know that I can go to God in prayer. And I can ask God to comfort my heart and to comfort the heart of Eddie. To comfort the heart of Wendy and Bruce. And I believe with all my heart, God in heaven will answer that prayer. James said, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. When we bow our heads in prayer to Almighty God, we need to understand that God hears us and that he, that, that he responds accordingly. There's a third thing I want you to see very quickly in our study. And that is there is a reminder for all of us 
in our troubles. First of all, there's a reminder to each and every person to investigate the power of Almighty God. What we need to understand is the God we serve is all-powerful. The very God that spoke this world into being, into existence, is a God that still rules with tremendous power. So listen again to what the psalmist said with regard to his power. Look at verse 8. He said, Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. The psalmist here is saying, My God is a powerful God. And what each and every one of us need to do is to investigate the power of Almighty God. And then he invites us to behold the preeminence of God. Listen to him if you would in verse 10. We talk about the hustle and bustle and the busyness of life and how sometimes we're so busy with life we forget to live. We forget that we live in the presence of God, the Creator. The psalmist said, be still and know that I am God. He said, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God is on his throne as we speak. The psalmist said in Psalm 99 at verse 1, the Lord reigns. God is still in heaven. And he is reigning on his throne. And God is in absolute control of the world in which we live. I want to close by saying if there were some way to turn back time, we would do that. But we understand we live in a world that is filled with sorrows and heartaches and human losses. God in heaven wants us to know through his word that he cares. I promise you, he cares. Eddie lost his only son, his only child. I understand, but I don't understand, if you know what I'm saying. But you know, I want you to think about this. God in heaven had an only son. And he gave that only son for us. The Bible says that God spared not his own son, but freely gave him up for us all. Jesus died on Calvary so that we might enjoy the benefits and the blessings of redemption through his blood. The Bible says that it's in Christ that we, that we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, Ephesians 1, verse 7. 
I'm so grateful to know that we can be a part of God's family. And I am so thankful to know that Andrew Archer was a part of God's family. And I want you to think about this. Andrew has gone to be with the Lord. And what God wants from us when we face trouble and trial is to remain faithful. We know where God's people go at death, don't we? Remember what Paul said, to live as Christ, to die as gain, to depart and be with Christ is far better. Do you remember the words of John when he said, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. When people step out into eternity who are a part of God's family, they go to paradise. They go to be with the Lord. As hard as it may be, as difficult as it may be for us to wrap our minds around what has happened, what we have to do is anchor our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you see, the Bible says he is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. The Bible also says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19, that those who suffer according to the will of God are to commit their souls to him who is a faithful creator. We have to put our lives in the hands of God. And God will see us through. You know, the Bible says that Jesus did not stay in that tomb. But three days after his death on Calvary, he arose. The angel said, why do you seek the living among the dead? And it's because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we today have an inheritance. It is incorruptible, it is undefiled, it fades not away, and it is reserved in heaven for us. I want you to know that in two days, the Lord willing, we'll place the body of Andrew in the ground. But we do so in anticipation of the resurrection. One day he will come forth just as we will come forth unless the Lord comes first. So there's hope for all of us. We'll see him again. It may be that you're here today, you're not a Christian. God wants you to become a part of his family. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God has given us a way to enjoy the blessings of salvation. Yes, we hear the gospel. We believe it with all of our heart based on what Jesus said in John 8. that We believe he's the son of God. And we're willing to repent, to give up sin, to confess the sweetest name known to man, 
the name of Jesus. And then to be immersed in a watery grave of baptism so that every sin can be washed away, Acts 22, 16. Three weeks ago, Andrew was baptized into Christ. His sins were washed away. If you haven't been baptized, why not do it today? Maybe you're here and you're not what you ought to be as a child of God. I want to encourage you to come home. You know, we don't know what, we don't know what tomorrow holds. But we know that today we have the time and the opportunity to do what's right. If you're unfaithful to his cause, I'd encourage you, come home. Come home because God wants you home. Come home because God's family wants you home. John said if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God will forgive. Won't you come as we stand and sing?